Welcome to Ag Annex Talks, a podcast brought to you by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. Join the teams behind Top Crop Manager, Potatoes in Canada, Fruit and Vegetable, Manure Manager, and Canadian Poultry Magazines for compelling conversations with some of the most important voices in Canadian agriculture. Bayer Crop Science is a proud supporter of influential women in Canadian agriculture. As a member of Canada's agricultural community, we recognize the hard work and contributions made by women to this important industry and support the sharing of their voices, stories, challenges, and achievements as a way to recognize everything they bring to the table each and every day. Welcome to Ag Annex Talks and our continuing series on this year's Influential Women in Canadian Agriculture. Our next honoree is Andrea McKenna. Andrea received two different nominations from her associates who praised her for her tireless advocacy and the way she's worked as a mentor to younger women in the field. Andrea hails from Newton, PEI, and while she works hard as a farm operator and mother, she plays an even larger role as the general manager and founding member of East Prince Agri-Environment Association, a grassroots organization of 15 family farms in central PEI that are working together to make agriculture more environmentally sustainable for future generations. Nominator Carly McLeod says, Andrea is a powerful voice for farmers as she strongly advocates for research and farmers working with experts to encourage evidence-based management decision-making in agriculture. Fellow nominator Jason Webster says the roles people like Andrea play in the industry need to be highlighted more, and that her work is helping remove barriers and encourage women to join the agriculture sector. Here, in her own words, is Andrea McKenna. Welcome, everyone. Today, I am joined by Andrea McKenna. She is joining us uh, remotely from Kinkora PEI. Andrea, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you, and congratulations on being one of our uh, influential women in Canadian agriculture. Uh, I guess the best way to do this would be to jump right in. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about your current role, as well as maybe your background in agriculture and what led you to this point? Okay, yeah, definitely got to start with the background because that in and of itself is quite interesting. Um, I did not grow up um, on a farm. Uh, Actually, I would say quite removed. So I'm from Newfoundland, from Carboneer, Newfoundland. And, uh, you know, growing up in Newfoundland, you always hear about the fishing industry. Um, not so much agriculture, even though there, there are uh, quite a few farms in Newfoundland and a growing agriculture industry there. But um, no, I did not know very much about agriculture. So um, never dreamed of a career in agriculture either. However, um after i finished my undergraduate degree i moved to ontario i was working living downtown toronto so you know living the life at that age and early 20s uh in downtown toronto and loving it but uh when i did start to get when that um um when the novelty was i guess growing off that life i want i yearn to be back east as most people do when they leave newfoundland you eventually find your way back home um there was a job opportunity that came up in my hometown of carboneer and it was to do a training needs assessment of the agriculture industry in newfoundland and labrador and i thought well 
gosh, I don't really know much about agriculture, but um, when I was um, doing my undergrad degree, I had an opportunity to travel and work in the Netherlands, and I did a similar study for the oil and gas industry, and I thought it was just an amazing opportunity to learn about that industry. So I applied, and um, I got the job and left Toronto and was homebound back to my hometown, actually right back to my parents. Um, that worked in my favor, paid off student loans, mm-hmm. and started the... Uh, started the job and the job was framed up in such a way uh, the idea was to do some questionnaires maybe some interviews with farmers and really get to know um, what um, the, the human resource needs were for the agriculture industry and more specifically um, what education gaps and skill gaps uh, might exist so we could work with the local college system to provide um, training programs um, interviews and questions questionnaires just wasn't going to cut it for me. I really wanted to get out and get to know the industry. I wanted to get to know the farmers. Um, I also really got to know how big our province was that year because I decided I was going to attend every AGM or every grower meeting that was happening across the island or in Labrador. And, um, you know, I was um, the little one sitting outside all the meeting doors waiting to talk to anybody who would talk to me. (laughs) Um, And really, that is how I got to know um, farmers in Newfoundland and Labrador and how I got to better understand uh, the agriculture industry. Um, every now and then they've, I think they just took pity on me and would invite me inside the meeting room. And that was a real eye opener then because then I got, I got to hear all the discussions that were going on and I got to really get to better understand uh, what some of the issues were for um, farmers uh, in Newfoundland and Labrador. And I really got to learn a lot about agriculture. So that's when I fell in love with the industry. Um, so, you know, talking, first of all, you know, the first thing that really resonated with me is that, you know, at all these meetings, it was never a business representative who was there. It was the farm owner and the farm owner was usually, um, you know, there with other family members. So, I mean, it's, it's a family business. Bottom line, farming is not just a business. It's about the family. Um, the other thing that really, really stood out, uh, was the age of the people I I was talking to. Um, The average age of farmers at that time uh, was 58, probably, I think it pretty sure it's still around that mark. So, you know, the more I talked to growers, the more I listened to all things that they had to say about their industry. And, you know, it's a a very exciting um, industry, I think, in in Newfoundland and Labrador. There's, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there for growth. It's not as predominant as the fishery, but it certainly is taken a, taken off over in recent years. And the people I met were just incredible, hardworking people. And I mean, you have to think of the challenges um, that they were overcoming just to farm and grow food in Newfoundland, like let alone the weather that growers right across this country uh, deal with. Um, we have no control over Mother Nature, but then you have the topography of Newfoundland while well, you're living on a rock. Um, then the geography, the distance, it's an island. And, you know, so the distance to markets, um, access to land was a big, uh, is a big challenge that, um, especially for young people trying to get into the industry. So, you know, I, I was listening to all of this, but I'm listening to the people who are telling this to me and I'm thinking well a wow (laughs) I don't know how you do this and how you continue to do this every day but secondly 
if you're not doing this, who is going to do this? Where are the young farmers? Where are the next generations? And again, most of the time, you know, there is a son or a daughter involved. Um, but, you know, where are the new entrants to the agriculture industry? So that question of who, who is going to continue farming in Newfoundland and Labrador, if we're looking at a, you know, an, an average age of 58 here, and we're uh, many of the growers that I talked with were beyond retirement age, you know, and wishing to get out, but it was, you know, who is going to take over? So that question in and of itself, I think really gave me the drive to really want to learn more and do more. Um, after I finished the project that I was working on, I did continue to work with the Newfoundland Labrador Federation of Agriculture um, and, it, you know, on a, on a human resource initiative. And um, at that time, um, they were trying to build a Canadian Agriculture Human Resource Sector Council. Um, and our uh, chair of the board in Newfoundland was also co-chairing that. And I wanted a seat at that board. I wanted to get to the national table. I wanted to figure out how are other provinces dealing with this? And, you know, it, so I was there, you know, amongst all the founding members of the Canadian uh, Human Resource uh, or Canadian Agriculture Human Resource Sector Council. And that was an eye opener. And, you know, and then I realized like this is Newfoundland Labrador is not the only province dealing with this. Every province across Canada is dealing with this issue on, you know, how do we get people to work on the farms? But how do we how do we encourage young people to enter the agriculture industry? Um, you know, so from there, there, you know, I, there I was started participating in the agriculture in the classroom national program and trying to build an agriculture in the classroom program for Newfoundland and Labrador. I had the opportunity to um, also travel to some different countries, um, uh, just on different projects and different initiatives. And one that really stood out was a trip to Australia and New Zealand, where I spent some time with the with their young farmers uh, association. And, you know, evaluating the different things that they do to try to encourage um, uh, young people to get to enter the industry. And uh, one thing that, that really stood out, they encouraged their young people to do agriculture tours, to go to other countries, work on farms, you know, and bring that experience back to us. And, you know, that's a kind of an engaging way um, to um, to attract young people as well. So, um so yeah, working from there, and then the agriculture in the classroom program in and of itself, PEI had has an outstanding uh, program. And that was probably really my first introduction to PEI and the PEI agriculture industry was when I was trying to make connections uh, about, the, um, about the agriculture in the classroom program. Um, so I continued the work that I was doing with the Federation. I was actually promoted to executive director of the Newfoundland Labrador Federation. I was also executive director of their Agri-Adapt Council. Um, we were also doing projects through the um, Agriculture um, Greenhouse Gas Mitigation uh, Program. So on, on, that, on that side of things, I got to see a lot of projects that were being proposed um, to advance the industry and, and to help the industry. Um, so that was, that was phenomenal um, exposure to understanding, um, you know, some of the challenges and how people were and the approaches that were being taken to overcome um, the challenges. So uh, speaking of, of the networking piece, we had hosted the Canadian 
Federation of Agriculture meetings, um, I think it was in 2006 or seven, not sure, but um, there's a huge uh, consortium there, of course, of the Young Farmers Associations from across Canada. And that's when I met my husband. <laughs> he was the president of the PEI Young Farmers Forum. And I met him that weekend. We spent two years of dating, well, me living in Newfoundland and him in PEI because I refused to <clears throat> move to, P, uh, to PEI because I absolutely loved my job and I was not going to give up on all the things I was working on for Newfoundland Labrador. Um, and he was begging and pleading because there's no way he was going to move a potato farm to Newfoundland. <laughs> in the end, he won. <clears throat> and here I was um, now living in PEI. And so, yeah, so I, you know, met him moved to PEI uh, after about two years, um, came here, decided I was going to start my master's degree, started doing a master's in business in biotechnology. And then we started our, we got married and we started our family. And then I started the East Prince Agri Environment Association. So I actually had planned to take a little bit of time off uh, after my second child. Uh, I had been working at at the university and um, the plan was to take some time off. And while I was taking that time off is when I got involved with the growers here in Prince Edward Island and uh, established the uh, East Prince Agri-Environment Association. Wow, that's, that's such an incredible journey. Um, so when it comes to your role, what do you, what do you like most about your role? Oh, the people that I'm that I work with. Um, so the East Prince Agri Environment Association, if I could just back that up and give you a little bit of history, because it's it's pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, 2014, I was taking some time off with my two small kids and found out I was pregnant with number three, and trying to Yeah, so trying to keep life on low key. And I went to to a grower meeting one evening, my husband was going to this meeting and they had asked um, for somebody to come and take some notes. This uh, group of uh, farmers in, in um, this specific area of Prince Edward Island in the East Prince area were meeting um, just to have a discussion about some ongoing issues. Um, and the main issue was this concern about the negative perception that agriculture had in in the public. Um, it was just after, just around the time of the needles in potatoes incident here in PEI. It was, you know, a very intentional malicious act against the potato industry. And so this group of farmers got together one evening and said, like, you know, this this can't we can't keep working in this environment, um, you know, you know, mentally, emotionally, it's so stressful when there's so much being said and printed about the agriculture industry uh, in such a you know a negative light, and the accusations about uh, farmers not taking care of the environment like that's so far fetched. But yet our media was carrying it, and people were carrying those messages. And you know, at the end of the day, when you think about it, it's like that is our bread and butter. That's where we make our living. Um, you know, from the land from the environment if we don't protect it who is going to protect it you know so it was just you know how do we how do we um, mediate this and uh, so you know at the end of that uh, that evening and I, I listened all night to all the discussions and uh, my thoughts were you know 
you, you're never, you're never going to change these, this, this handful of naysayers and, you know, trying to talk back, um, is, is not going to get you too far. Um, but you know, what you really need to do is we need to get the right information out there. We need to get the facts out there. You all know all the good things that you have been doing and that you are doing on your land and, um, you know, the practices that you are doing that are so beneficial for both the crop and the environment, we need to build your confidence um, so you can get, so we can all work together and get those messages out there. And to do that, we discussed, you know, we talked about there must be research. We know there's always research happening. So, you know, how do we figure out, you know, what are the impacts that our practices may be having? Where is that research? How do we get access to it? And so, you know, we made a phone call to uh, our local agriculture and agri-foods Canada branch and said, okay, you know, can we get some kind of uh, environmental scan, some lit review on, you know, the types of research that has been done on, um, on the practices um, that we that we use all every day in agriculture. And the suggestion back was, well, why don't we, would you be interested in meeting with some of the researchers? So we spent every second Thursday for that whole winter uh, meeting with researchers. And from, so, you know, researchers from Agri-Foods Canada, the, some of the experts from our provincial government and from different universities. And what was really phenomenal was this two-way discussion that was happening now between the growers and the researchers and the researchers realizing, hey, maybe I do need to change my parameters of research a little bit because I'm not quite targeting exactly what you're looking for or vice versa. You know, that the, the farmers were, were realizing, oh, wait, I didn't realize that this much research was done here. Can we try that in our field? Would you be willing to work with us so we can try that? And um, so, you know, we built, we started to build these relationships um, with industry experts. And the information was really getting getting out there to to the farmers. And you know, the more information that they were getting, the more confidence that they were building in you know what they were doing. And it's that confidence, you know, is is the target. We want to be able to um, to to talk about what we are doing and what the impacts may or may not be. Um, so then we started to, to kind of snowball that. And then we started working with our watershed groups and the people who are responsible for, for our waterways, for our natural habitats, and what advice could they give us? So, you know, that's, so that was the beginning of the organization. Um, from there, we, we you know we snowballed into uh, participating in different projects so we could bring in some funding and continue um, the research, especially on you know practices that we felt were really working and that were really beneficial. And what else can we learn? And um, then eventually, um, Agrifoods, uh, Agriculture and Agrifoods Canada um, in 2017, we're doing information sessions across Canada, um, introducing a new model for research in Canada, which is the Living Labs Initiative. And after hearing what we were doing in PEI, they asked if we would pilot that, that program and um, do, a, do a project under the Living Labs Initiative uh, in Prince Edward Island. And so we were the first to get Living Labs off the ground, just, um, you know, this this group of farmers led by me. Um, we are the proponent for the project. However, we have 14 partners involved in the project um, from like um, from 
you know, government researchers from AgriFoods Canada, also from DFO and Environment Canada, from our provincial experts to our watershed groups, Ducks Unlimited Canada. Um, I think we have four universities involved. So it's, it's, it's a huge initiative and an absolutely wonderful initiative that really brings a lot of experts together to help the agriculture industry. And I am so proud of our Canadian government for acknowledging um, this model because it works. It's really putting the, re putting the research where it needs to be and evaluating, you know, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's doing real time research in a real context. And the, Growers are more apt to adopt it, uh, adopt the, the management practices because they they see it happening on their farm and they're involved in all the decision making um, with the research. And so now um, uh, AgriFoods Canada announced this year that they're rolling this out right across Canada and every province gets an opportunity to uh, apply and have a project within their province. So I'm working with some of the other provinces now to help them develop their Living Labs initiatives. Amazing. Congratulations on that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great segue for my next question. Uh, we, you know, we talk a lot about risk and um, because I think a lot of times women in uh, fields like agriculture, you know, don't always feel like they can take a lot of risks or whatever. But what made all of our honorees stand out is that they have, you know, been able to take a lot of risks that have paid off. So um, could you tell us a little bit about the biggest risk that you've taken in your career? Oh, gosh. That, I mean, I'm going to go back to what I said a few minutes ago when, you know, I decided to to take a break. I had two small kids. I'm married to a farmer. So I don't, you know, there's times of the year when I barely see him. I'm living in PEI. I'm away from my family who are all in Newfoundland. Um, you know, and I have great support system here. But there is, I just felt like I just wanted more time, a little more time for me um, and with the kids. So I decided to take time off from my career. And that was a very, very hard decision. Um, I had worked very hard to, uh, to build, um, you know, my confidence to, you know, go to the, to the national tables and, and sit and learn and be part of all the discussions. Um, and here I was now just going to take a back seat and I was just going to, um, you know, stay at home, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll be the farmer's wife. Maybe I'll try that. Um, it didn't last long, it, you know, it, but at the time I remember thinking, gosh, if I let my contract go, then, you know, that's it. There's no guarantees. I'm going back uh, to my job after I, you know, when I decide I'm, you know, I'm comfortable enough. So at that time I kind of was giving myself one year, I'd like to take one more year uh, after my mat leave um, to enjoy uh, my kids. Um, but again, um, I think that lasted maybe uh, two months. And then it was, oh, wow, I'm pregnant with number three. Oh, wow. Yes, I would love to be part of this discussion. And that discussion rolled into where I am today um, with this organization and with my career. But yeah, I think, you know, just yeah and I don't want to say yeah I guess maybe it was as a as a woman as somebody who has you know really prided myself on uh, building my education and building my career and first and foremost being extremely 
extremely independent because I always have been. And that was instilled in me from my parents. It was like, get your education, be independent. You don't ever have to depend on anybody and get out and travel the world. Um, and I just, I love that advice and I followed that advice. And that's where, that's what got me to where I am today. Um, but you know, it was, it was, a, it was very um, different for me to let that part of my life go and to just kind of, um, yeah, not be doing something for myself other than the most important job, taking care of my kids. The, uh, I guess, you know, we're kind of in that area now. So I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about a particular challenge that you faced uh, throughout your career and maybe even what you've learned from it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll talk about just an ongoing challenge. So, well, here's an, here's another risk last year in the middle of a pandemic and a drought, my husband and I decided to buy a turnip and carrot farm. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know, my husband is, um, as a shareholder in his parents farm. So, and, you know, so he's been a farmer, I'll say his whole life. Um, but this is a, you know, a, a venture that we, um, we took on for ourselves. So we purchased um, this, this other farm and it is a family venture. And our kids are at a great age where, you know, we, we, we bring them, we've brought them in the mix and we've explained to them the whole time and the whole process uh, when we were purchasing the farm um, so that, you know, we want them to feel like they were part of it, that they're part of um, uh, of the whole business. Um, we even let them name it. Our farm name is Bunny Burrow Vegetable Company, named uh, by a seven-year-old. She was seven at the time when she named Good. it. And yeah, she's always wanted a bunny. So we have a mascot for Bunny Burrow Farm. We have carrots, the bunny rabbit. Um, but yeah, so that, you know, that business venture is for us and for our family um and we encourage our kids to take ownership and to feel ownership um, of the farm however you know again we bought the farm during a pandemic during uh, a drought which was probably caused more challenges than anything so we had guaranteed the bank that we have uh, all the infrastructure to irrigate the crop yeah no we're not scared um however we had an incident last summer where our government um um took away our use of water so they cut off our water supply and that was extremely devastating and very challenging um to work with but it just goes to show the ongoing challenge that we deal with every day here in PEI as an agriculture industry um there's so much negativity and criticism towards the agriculture industry um that sometimes you know, our leaders um, listen to the, the wrong voices and they make snap decisions. Um, this decision, you know, was based on, on a policy that they have in place. But, you know, the fact that it was acted on, I think, was, you know, had more to do with, with emotions um, and, you know, people's um, fears from so much of the, the negativity that's been spread about the agriculture industry. But, you know, anyway, so... You know what have I learned from that? That you you can't you can't change what others say, but you can change how you react. And you know, basically, that is the the fundamental 
purpose of our organization, the East Prince Agri Environment Association, and, you know, the purpose of my job, it's, you know, let's ensure that we are confident in what we're doing and that we are getting the right information out there in the public. And I like one of our board members, you know, he always likes to remind us that, you know, we need, we need our politicians. They are the people with the microphone, with the podium who are speaking to the province and, you know, they're the ones leading us. They really need to understand and have the right facts and be spreading the positive messages that they should be about this very important industry. Like we are feeding our neighbors, we are feeding our communities, we are feeding the world. You know, we need to support and protect our environment, our uh, agriculture industry, and we need our leaders to, you know, to use that voice. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. Uh, now, pivoting more toward, I guess, uh, more positive stories and everything. I'm wondering if you can tell us what the best piece of advice is that you've received throughout your career and um, and maybe in turn, what advice you'd give to others who are thinking of pursuing a career in ag? Oh gosh, there's, you know, agriculture is so diverse, ever evolving that uh, I think one of the things that I had learned early on um, was you can't do everything. You can't please everyone. <laughs> Uh, and you can't do everything. Um, so, I mean, like, as I said, I, I, I love this industry. I'm very passionate about it. And there's so much that I want to do. Um, and, you know, and like I said, you know, early in my career, I, I, I did. I took on so many different initiatives and tried to get so many different projects off the ground. I wanted to be part of all these different boards, um, you know, at, at a provincial and national level and I did and uh but you know if I look back on that it just you know stay focused you can do more when you figure out what you're good at and um you know for me it was figuring out what I'm not good at that was the key to, to my success so it's trying to you know it's figuring out um you know what you can do more importantly what you can't do and then finding the people who who can fill those gaps um so and you know the, if you can if you can establish you know what it is you're trying to achieve um and then you start to build a team and recognize that everybody has their own talents everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses and so to really um um, to really, you know, motivate and to use, uh, utilize a good team, you need to recognize um, that, yeah, ev not everybody is the same and, um, you know, understand individuals' talents, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and, you know, how can you foster that to really accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. And I think, for me, that's what I've really been trying to work on over the past couple of years is um, we know what we want to achieve um, as, as an organization. Um, who do we need at the table? 
to help us achieve our goals. And again, going back to this model um, that our Canadian government has enabled for the agriculture industry through the Living Labs Initiative, it has helped us access expertise, um, you know, right across the country and to bring together so many industry support specialists and experts within our own province and um, all for all to work on, you know, one common goal for the agriculture industry. And I think it's phenomenal. Excellent. And, you know, I, I had another question and I, I do think you might have answered it with uh, my last one, but just in case the answer is different, if, if you could go back to the beginning of your career and kind of give a piece of advice to, to young Andrea, what, what might it be? Yeah, probably just that, you know, <laughs> get focused. Um, you know, I, I, I love that I was involved in so many different initiatives. And uh, I think there was, you know, there was, I definitely, I left the Federation before um, some of those, some of the projects that I was proposing came to fruition, but, you know, I set the stepping stones, but there's a lot of the times I, I do, I look back and I think, oh gosh, if I knew what I knew ne- know now, um, I probably would have done things a little differently. Um, and especially in the opportunities when I had to travel um, to some other countries, uh, you know, for instance, I, I was in Norway once, I probably would have asked more questions about um, um, growing, you know, growing agriculture in, in a northern climate. Um, you know, just when, it, when I think of where we are right now, uh, from a food security perspective, and the way our our climate patterns are changing, and I think there's definitely going to be a larger role for um, for our northern hemisphere, um, especially some of the northern climates, like even you know in Canada, and uh, you know and further further north. I was once part of a a conference um, of the uh, northern uh, what was the name? It was a circumpolar. Uh, agriculture conference. So um, a lot of those countries were were at the table, like the Scandinavian countries and, you know, Labrador uh, was there, the territories. And, um, you know, there was all this this talk about, um, you know, with with climate change, there will be a greater role for for these northern countries. And it's like, wow, we're there. Like, we're there now. Um, As as we see that, you know, the, the change in weather weather patterns and some of the biggest producing regions of the world that are now um, um, dealing with, you know, bigger storms, there's more drought. And, um, you know, it, it seems that um, more and more Canada has a bigger role to play um, in feeding the world in producing agriculture. And I think it would be wise for our governments to really invest um, in agriculture. However, we need to start, I'm going to say like at the bottom, we need to really encourage young people to explore all the possibilities and potential in our agriculture industry so we can bring it to its potential. And we need to do more to explore um, what we can do as a northern climate for the agriculture industry, because I really think that that's going to be important over the next um, 20 to 30 years, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm so excited to know your answer uh, about this. This is my favorite question. And it's what keeps you excited about agriculture and excited to, you know, go and do your work every day? Oh, oh the people I get to work with. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm working with some of the most innovative 
progressive farmers on the island. And, you know, this, this group that originally came together um, back in 2014, they're all, they're all of the same generation. Um, So there are, you know, farmers in, in our small community here who have young families, Um, you know, and we're, we're part of that group. So, I mean, here we are, we all have kids that go to school together that, you know, are in sports together. And then we have, you know, this, all this negativity that's happening around us. And it's like, how do we encourage our children to want to be part of this industry if we ourselves cannot feel confident and comfortable and proud of what we do? Um, so I, I, I love that, you know, when I, when we, when we have a board meeting and some days I get so drained, like just bogged down because I'm behind the scenes doing a lot of just the administration and paperwork. And, you know, it's, it's those days when I'm just, just behind my computer screen and I'm doing that. And then all other things that are happening in life and I feel exhausted, but then we have a board meeting and I go and I sit and I listen to them discussing amongst each other and it's energizing. It is purely energizing to hear, you know, that yes, there, there's, there's all these challenges and yes, it's difficult, but they have tremendous ideas, uh, you know, on how to deal with it. And when they start talking to each other and really bouncing the ideas off each other, then I, I get energized and I think, oh yeah, no, we need to do this. We need to fight this. We're gonna, you know, we're, we're making a difference. And I do, at the end of the day, I really feel like we are making a difference. And I think that's that's just so positive and that's what keeps me going. And then of course, again, as I mentioned, like through the, the research initiatives that we do, the researchers that I get to work with and the industry support people, like, you know, our potato board and our federation, their government employees, the teachers and, uh, you know, at the universities at our high schools, all the people who have taken such a vested interest in our agriculture industry. And so, you know, you draw energy from, from all of those, those leaders who are doing wonderful things and, you know, everybody is doing it because they all love and support this vital industry. All right, so uh, that's amazing. My last question is um, my second favorite question because it's all about looking forward. And if you were to look forward and kind of, I I would love if you could tell us where you think Canadian ag is going in the next five to 10 years or even what you want to see more of. Um, Yeah, well, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I really think um, you know, Canadian agriculture will play a bigger role in um, feeding our uh, population around the globe. And the unfortunate thing is, um, you know, we're, we're working with a finite land base. So we have to learn how to do more with less with what we have. Um, so, you know, we're definitely moving towards uh, more precision agriculture. Um, you know, things, it, it, the industry is becoming, you know, very high tech and which, which is wonderful. Um, but again, it goes back to, you know, the, we need more people who are trained, um, to use that technology. Um, not just the farmers, but the people who can, um, support the farming industry to use the technology. So, I mean, there's so, so many career opportunities, um, you know, for young people in agriculture. 
And, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely one, um, you know, my husband and I recognized that, you know, this, this is where we as farmers wanted to go, we wanted to get to um, um, more, you know, um, site specific um, fertilization on our farm, irrigation, um, you know, we, again, it goes Back to what I said in the beginning, the farmers are very astute on how uh, we you know, may or may not be impacting the environment. And it's important that we take care of our environment. And it's important that we adapt to the climate change um, that's happening. And we know that the technology is there uh, for us to be able to be very specific on you know, how we use our land you know, in the most efficient manner. Um, you know, so we started a precision ag services company. Um, just a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, we started doing um, soil sampling. So, um, um, sorry. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we started doing automated soil sampling. And now we've moved into um, SWOT mapping. So um, just this year, just getting this off the ground now. So we've purchased the equipment that will look at soil, water, air, and topography mapping. So measuring electric conductivity um, so that you really understand and be able to map your uh, map your fields and um, do variable rate um, fertilizing, adding soil amendments, manure applications, et cetera. And same with our water use. That's amazing. All right, we're going to wrap things up. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we say goodbye, Andrea? Um, yeah, I just, uh, just to say, you know, for, for any young people that may be listening, like you, you know, you don't have to be from a farming background, um, to be part of the agriculture industry. Um, you know, I, I certainly wasn't. And, um, there's endless, endless career opportunities, um, in agriculture. It's a ever evolving industry. It's a very exciting industry and it's very, um, self-gratifying, I think, to be part of the industry and to be supporting our farmers. Great. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thanks for tuning in to Ag Annex Talks, the podcast hosted by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. You can subscribe to Ag Annex Talks wherever you listen to podcasts or visit eggannex.com to catch up on all of our other episodes.